Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a rather delightful guest, I have to say, with me today. Um, But before that, I hope that all of you are doing well in these times and that at least you can do something a little bit beautiful, even if it's in pocketfuls of moments. Um, I'm hoping that somehow we will be stronger and better in the world very soon. And I hope that you will join me on lots more episodes and we can share beautiful times together. So all of my guests, as you know, you know, I I love all of my guests, really I do, because their stories are quite amazing and quite incredible, and that's why I have them on the show. And in today's episode, I have the very delightful Stephen Wilson, who is such a deep and spiritual soul. And he's a poet, of course, and an author and an artist. Now, Stephen has been on an absolutely incredulous journey of soul searching through his life. And this took him from the brink of death, literally, to the pinnacle of life. And I would like to welcome Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Mimi. I'm very humbled to be asked on your show. Oh, thank you for coming. How are you? How how are you? you? I know you're somewhere by the seaside, aren't you? Yes, we are. We're only six minutes walk from the sea. Um, I've always loved the sea. So to be here now, later on in life, is a real blessing. It must be beautiful. And what's the weather like? It's sunny and cloudy, a bit of each. A bit of each. Typical um, English weather, isn't it? Yes, but it's dry and it's warm. That's the main thing. That's the main thing. Now, Stephen, I know that you have a book out. Yes. And uh, Echoes of a Mystic, is that correct? Yes, that's it. Yeah, and uh, underneath that it says Awakening Experiences Poetically Captured. Which is a rather fabulous title, I have to say. And I love the book cover. It really encapsulates the mystical and the spiritual aspects of life. Now, how you got to writing a book after everything that you've been through, I'm amazed at. But please, Stephen, share with us 
a little bit about your story, where it all began. Well, I was born in 1954, which makes me 66 now, um, in South Woodford, Essex, C18. And I lived with my mum and dad, my nan, who's my mum's mum. And they had a garden and it was lovely. And I've noticed from a very early age, I was very uh, one with nature. I absolutely adored nature and flowers. So I spent most of my time in the garden. And I was also very, very sensitive. I remember one day I went into the... We had an outside toilet in them days. And on the windowsill, there was all these dead ladybirds laying upside down. And it really upset me. I went running into my mum's and they'd all died and I was crying. And so I can remember that experience very vividly. And I must, I, we left there when I was five. So it just shows you how strong that image was. And, that, and what it did to me, you know. Um, we stayed there until I was five and then we moved to a, a flat and that was in, um, it was about three or four miles away and it had a lovely forest around it. So as I grew up, I spent a lot of my time in the forest. Um, I didn't like school, I've got to say. My infant school, I loved very much. I loved the teachers, I loved my friends. And then when we went to junior school, I found, um, I was bullied a lot. Um, I didn't really fit in. I didn't feel like I fitted in with life. I just felt too sensitive, I think, and that took things to heart. So it didn't really, uh, didn't appeal to me at school at all. And then when I went to the, uh, the, the bigger school, as it were, I never set an exam. Exam. I, I didn't stay there. Until, I think I left when I was 15, but from the age of about 14, I didn't attend. I just really didn't like it. I couldn't keep up with the with the lessons, I wasn't academic at all. Um, so it was quite unhappy school life, I've got to say. Were you more of a free spirit, as they say? I think so. Mm. I do think so, yes. I was more in touch with the, the inner being of myself, if you like. Um, and I found I just didn't fit in. So I tried very, very hard to fit in by changing myself, trying to be what people thought I should be. I remember wearing a shirt once, and it had butterflies on it. Um, I loved this shirt. My old mum ordered it from the catalogue. But when I went out with it, everybody took the mickey out of me. So that went in the wardrobe, and I never wore that again. And then I started to wear what other people wore. So uh, I started to lose my identity, if you like, at that time. And how old How old were you then? Um, I would say my teens. Um, yeah, in my teens. So you had this sensitivity, really, that had to be suppressed. Yes, basically, yes. Mm. It was too painful to be in touch with my heart. I was, uh, yeah, that's what I would say. At that, at that time, it's not, not the case now, because mm. I went through quite a lot to get to where I am now. But at that time, I sort of closed down. Yeah. And how did that sensitivity affect you in, for example, leaving school and in the early years of adulthood, what sort of effect did that have on you? Was it a case that you couldn't really express who you were? Yeah, I, I, I think who I really was was, was suppressed completely. Um, I was just fitting in um, with with everybody around me, my, my peers at that time. Um, so I was drinking, going out, clubs, that sort of thing. Um, losing my... Um, connection with nature as well so, and what was yeah, predominantly your um love 
what was it that you loved that you feel that you couldn't really fully explore? Well, I think the love itself was already in me when I was a child. So it was part of my identity and that was sort of suppressed. That wasn't allowed to come out. Um, and I just just blocked it out, if you like, with, um, with alcohol. Um, and then after some time, it went on to drugs. So I started taking drugs. Um, and then I got into sort of a bit of crime as well. Um, and I was caught for something by the police and I was given a community service to do. And the community service meant you had to work so many hours, I think it was 500 I had to do, free of charge in the community, helping people. Um, and we did work around elderly people's houses, cutting the grass and so on. And we went to people's houses that had families that didn't have any money. So we used to decorate for them and things. And I've got to say, I absolutely loved it. And it was one of the best things I had ever done. Um, it gave me a purpose, made me feel good about myself again. So <clears throat> I, 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 after that time, I didn't go back to drugs. I still drunk, but I didn't go back to drugs. Do you think that was the turning point for you to... I think it was a turning point, yes. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the turning point, but it was a turning point. The beginning of a set of points that yeah. turned your life around. Oh, yes, I would agree with that, yes, yeah. And I know we spoke about this um, last time when I when we had a chat together and mm. you were telling me about a time when you had a motorbike accident, was it? Yes, that's right. Mm. Um, I went out for a drink with my friend. Uh, I took the bus, he took his bike. I uh, wouldn't get on the bike because I didn't have a pressure on it and... I wasn't drunk at that time, but by the time we'd finished drinking in the pub and I was drunk, I said, come on, I'll get on the back of your bike with you, which I did. Mm. And then we ended up crashing into the back of the car at the red traffic lights. I went head over the hills, smashing my face into his crash helmet, landed on the opposite side of the road, skidding along on my back, waiting with my eyes shut to be hit by a car, because it was a very busy road. Um, and I come to a standstill in the road in the end, and I hadn't been here up to that time. And I was sort of praying that I still wouldn't get hit. And I, was, I was laying there, um, and blood was coming out of my mouth because all my teeth had gone through my lip and, and such like. Um, I ended up in hospital, and uh, they stitched my mouth up. I had, I think, 16 stitches in the head, lots of cuts and bruises and grazes. My friend, fortunately, was okay. He had his pressure mat on, and uh, he did he come off quite well out of it. Yeah, that wasn't a very nice experience. Um, Dad told me when I was young never to get on the back of a motorbike. And uh, up to that point, I, I took his advice. And uh, I wish I'd carried on taking it. Sometimes, sometimes they do time. give good advice, don't yeah, they, parents? they certainly <laughs> do. Yeah, they certainly do. Yeah. But, you know, if we don't want to learn by advice, as they say, then we have to learn by adversity. Yeah. We have to literally feel it on our own skins before we yeah. learn something in life. Something. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, before we learn a lesson. Mm. Now, mm. I know that your journey has been incredible in the sense that you've had some very, very low times. Mm. But somehow yeah. you managed to get through them. And I'd really like you to share with whatever you feel comfortable with, of course, is... What happened? Well, um, 
I met somebody in a, in a nightclub and we started dating. Um, she was she and she became my first wife in the end. But at the time we we met and I was drinking quite a bit. And then when we went out together, and we both drunk. It used to end up in rows a lot of the time. And um, I started to live around her house with her parents, and they were lovely people. But I had this problem with the drinking and the arguing and things and one day we had a big row and um her parents got involved and i was i was took to Kate you know they had a go at me and it really really hurt me um and i decided to end it i'd, I'd had enough of life um so I, I, <laughs> I took a bottle of whiskey um that we had in the cupboard and i took some tablets from the chemist and uh, i went out to a field and I just, it was, it was night time, it was dark. And I remember I laid on my back, I drank the whiskey and I drank, I took all the tablets, I don't know how many I took, but quite a lot. And I just laid there waiting to die. And I was quite happy with that. I'd had enough life at that point. And I laid there and I was looking up at the stars. Well, it wasn't stars, it was dying clouds, darkness. And then I heard this ringing in my ears. It got louder and louder and louder. Um, Subsequently, afterwards, I found out from the nurses and doctors it's to do with taking all these uh, aspirin and tablets and things that I was taking. Mm -hmm. um, and the noise got deafening in the end, and then I started getting this fear come up. And I've never been so frightened in all my life. This fear was so strong. It was stronger than the fear to live. And that's what drove me to go to the hospital. I went to the hospital, had a stomach pump, um, got over that. Um, we had some counselling and things afterwards, and I never touched, uh, I never even thought about suicide again after that. So that, that was that episode closed. And where were you in life at that point? Did you have any uh, children? Did you have a family? No, I had no children. I was going out with this girlfriend, as I say, at the time. Mm. Um, after that, um, I started getting a bit better. I wasn't drinking quite so much. Mm -hmm. and we wasn't arguing quite so much we got married and we had two lovely boys um very proud of those and then we we moved and things started turning to worse again we started rowing again and things got really bad and i didn't want to be in a marriage anymore but we had two children so i did my very best to stay in the marriage i did my very best to make things work but it didn't and i went very much inwards at that point I want you to know what is the meaning and purpose of life. I really was at my wit's end with it. So I went to the library, to the religious section, and I looked through the uh, books there, and I, I ended up, I think you could take six books at a time, and I was taking six books at a time, and this went on for a couple of months. I, I read all the major religions that I can remember now, um, and I was still searching. And then one of these books, it said, uh, what was it called now? not coming to me at the moment but it was uh, it was a thick book and i started reading it and i took to it straight away and it opened my heart center it was so full of love and it also gave me a promise it said that if you wanted to be initiated by this particular guru who mm -hmm. the book's written about i had to be a vegetarian and no alcohol for three months and then they would initiate me so i thought yes I, i'm going to do this this is the way forward so i went to a couple of their meetings but three months is quite a long time. And in that three months, I read an awful lot of other books. And by the time I got to the three months, I didn't feel the need to go there to be initiated, which is quite interesting, really, because 
the heart centre opened and that love was there and I was back in touch with my childhood love that I had when I was very young. And now I felt I didn't need to go to a religion. I didn't need to be told what to do by anybody. So um, then I started feeling that I need to leave this marriage. And I had the strength to do it. And I wasn't arguing anymore. I didn't feel like arguing. I just had this love in my heart. So that's when I started talking to my very good friend who did yoga and he did... Um, uh, he did my back, he massaged my back because I was a decorator there for many years, which I still am. Mm-hmm. And it used to tighten up. And he was massaging my back one day and I was telling him my story about my wife and her arguments and how terrible it was. And he said, well, why don't you come here for a couple of weeks? Say to the wife, you need a little break. And it was so good of him. And I said, yes, I'm going to do that because I didn't see a way out, you see. So I took him up on it. I went home and I told my then wife that's what I intended to do. It didn't go down very well at all. Mm. Um, but I did leave and I went to my friends and uh, after a few weeks we got divorce papers through from my ex-wife at that point which did shock me but it made it sort of in stone this was it now this was the way forward and I ended up staying with my friend for 12 months Okay, I played with him for 12 months um, and now doing that yeah, God, yes. I'm sorry, I've talked a lot, haven't yeah, I? That's, that's the whole point of it. That's the yeah. whole point. Sorry to interrupt you, but I wanted to ask you more about this um, heart centre opening. Would you yes. um, call it your heart chakra, in fact? Yeah, well, I guess so. I would mm. call it my heart chakra. And what, what was chakra. that? Was that a gradual thing? Because this is very interesting, the fact that this opened. And you... No, it wasn't. It wasn't gradual. It was immediate. It was immediate. It was... Yeah, I mean, I did. I did go vegetarian. I was already a vegetarian when this happened. Mm. So that might have helped because I found one day I went out to work and I went to get petrol and I didn't even pay for the petrol. I just got back in the van and drove back to work. I didn't even think of paying for the petrol. It had affected me that much. Mm. It was just this spacious, loving feeling. I was sort of in the clouds, if you like. So it wasn't quite, it was quite a powerful um, awakening. Would you say it was like a divine moment, like an epiphany? Yes, where you reconnected yeah. back to yourself. Yes, I would. I would. And it how was, long uh, did that moment last? Well, it lasted. It gradually faded into normality, if you like, but it wasn't perhaps quite so intense. It's still there now. It's like consciousness that's in the brain and in the mind that thinks all the time up the top where the head is. has dropped down to where the heart is. So everything comes from the heart now. So it was an awakening of sorts. And, you know, a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people say this, that once you have an awakening like that, you can't ever go back to how you were before. So you can't even be with the same people a lot of the time, even if you're in a relationship or a marriage or whatever. It becomes a new form of consciousness. I call it living your own truth. So okay. That truth you need to follow because if you don't, it doesn't feel comfortable and then you feel that you're not fulfilling your purpose, whatever the purpose is. So I, that's why I left, because of that, yes. But you still um, have access to that heart centre energy yeah, to this I'm, day. I'm there, now. I'm there now. I mean, mm. I go up into my head when I have to think about things. Mm. If I have to do some banking or price a job or something like that, then mm. I go into the head for a while. But 99% of the time, I'm in my heart. 
Well, this is um, a, this is a glorious um, place to be, yeah. Stephen. It's it's a it's a rare but yet glorious place. I think that most people would adore to be in. And do you think this is why you are such a good artist? Because I've seen your paintings yes. and they're rather beautiful, I have to say. Thank you. I'll, um, I'll just mention that um, after staying at Brian's for nearly a year, mm. I went to a meeting because I was reading all these books and um, there was a, a group called the Brotherhood of the Aseans. Mm-hmm. And they had a meeting in Glastonbury once a year on the 21st of June, which is the summer solstice. So I went along to find out what it was all about. It mm-hmm. started at 10 o'clock, and, it, and at stroke of midnight, they bang a big gong, and, uh, and everybody's in a circle, and you're, mm. you're supposed to ask for whatever you want in life. And I'd, I'd realised from reading them books at that time in that marriage that love was the most important thing in life to me. It was the thing that got me out of where I was. So I asked for more love in my life on that evening. I didn't think any more of it. And I went through a year. And then one day my brother said to me, do you want to come out with me? Because I want to meet somebody because I'm on my own. He had a a breakup of a relationship, but he didn't want to go out on his own because he didn't think he'd find anybody. So I said I'd go out with him. We went to a nightclub. And in that nightclub, we were standing at the bar and these two girls came over to us. And one was talking to us. So... I sort of stood back from her and let her talk to my brother. And I talked to the other girl, which was, her name was Maria. She was standing at the bar. And I said to her, you know, what are you doing here, this, that and the other. And I was so impressed by her heart and her love. She had a light about her that I could, can't see it with my eyes, but I could see it intuitively. And it was so beautiful that I just needed to talk to this girl. Um, and I, I just listened to her. And she told me her story. Her husband had walked out and gone back to his native country where he was born with another woman and left her on her own with two girls. Um, So I decided that I wanted to see this girl again. So we swapped phone numbers. I offered to take her home with her friend, which she accepted. Um, And I dropped her home and then we started talking on the phone and we met a couple of times. And to cut a long story short, we got each other through the divorces that we were going through. And we felt deeply in love. And if there is such a thing as a soulmate, that's who I would say is my soulmate. Um, we just know each other so well. It's just like one heart beating. And I can't explain it unless you feel it yourself. It's hard to explain. But we even know what each other's thinking a lot of the time. And she's she's my rock. And that is true love to me. That's very beautiful. And yeah. I, it's... A, it's a huge blessing in life to find love, let alone true love. It it is really, you know, people search a lifetime to find love yeah. like this. Now, you must feel very blessed because I know that your wife supports you. I know from our conversations and that. Um, and she really allows you to be the... F- be free, you know, to yeah. be who you are, which is one of the most beautiful things is to allow the freedom to another soul to be who they really are now you write some very very beautiful poetry Stephen and I would really like to know about more about this and your inspiration because you are as I said a very very spiritual soul where does that all come from well I 
when we moved to this house here by the sea, um, I started painting pictures again. I've been painting pictures for about 20 years and very mm. successfully. Um, I did about 10 limited edition runs, sold thousands and thousands of pictures. But I sort of left it alone when I met Maria because our life together meant that I could enjoy life rather than just sit in front of an easel. But I did um, Google, um, do I need a guru? When, when we moved here, do, we, do I need a guru? I don't know why I said that, but I said that. And on, on, the, on the page it came up, it was a, a guy called Ramana Maharshi. Mm-hmm. And his face was lit in love. I saw his eyes and he just, he just called out to me. And I thought, this man's special. And at the back of my mind, I felt that I had seen him before. And then I remembered that I had a, given a, a small photograph, postage size photograph of Ramana Maharshi by somebody that I worked for 20 years previous, but I didn't have any significance with it at all until now. Mm. So I thought this is, this, is, um, this is definitely for a reason. So I started studying him, reading his writings, um, and asking the question, who am I? And as I started to ask that question, who am I? I went deeper and deeper within. And then I felt I wanted to paint a picture of him. It was like a calling, if you like. Mm, so I sat yeah. and painted this picture of him. And I just oh, completely dissolved into the picture. And I become him. It was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. That is probably the most special experience I've had as a mystical one, if you like. Mm, um, yeah. and, then, and then not long after that, I got woken in the night with, poetry running through my head so I started to write it down because I couldn't get back to sleep unless I wrote it down it kept on going over and over and over so as I found when I wrote it down I was then able to sleep after so I kept writing it down and eventually I decided uh, to open a Facebook account and start posting it on there and see what happens so that's what I did started posting it on there and it would just keep flowing and I would just keep posting it and I've got an awful lot of people asking me whether or not I did have anything in writing or if I had a book or anything like this. Mm. So I then decided this is worth pursuing. I'll start making inquiries about this. And I didn't know really where to start. And that's where I asked you, Mimi, for your guidance because I know you've published books. I'd read a couple and bought a couple. So, um, And you very kindly offered me your um, knowledge and understanding about what I could do and you gave me a couple of leads which I followed um, and then 12 months later I had my own book published and out there which I have a copy in front of me now actually. How wonderful um, but your writing I love your writing and it's something really that drew me it feels you know you have to have an affinity with a poet or a writer and I really did feel an affinity to your work because it feels that it is somehow deeply deeply from a fountain of love Mm. and tell me does this um spiritual teacher do you consider him uh Ramana as your spiritual teacher I call him my silent teacher Okay. Uh, because he's never, I've never met him, I've never spoken to him, I've never heard him speak. Um, I read his words and they touch me deeply. Not all of them, I must say, but mm-hmm. some of them really touch me. And this question, who am I, really sent me inwards. So I guess, yes, he's a very influential person in my life because when I close my eyes and I look towards a bird, I see his face. 
and that's been there since I did the painting. I've done two of his paintings, they're both on my Facebook account, and I even wrote a poem to go with it as well. And yeah. do you recite? Do you do any recitals? And I know someone, you told me that someone had recited one of your poems. Yes, somebody who followed me on Facebook bought a copy, and out of the blue, he sent me um, a voice message. I didn't know what I was going to expect. I just touched <laughs> the voice message, and he's, it had a, he's got a beautiful Scottish accent. I won't say his name, but he's, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. Um, and he read this poem to me, and it really touched me deeply. And afterwards, I thought, surely I didn't write that. That's so beautiful. But it was your poem, wasn't it? Yes, it was my poem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, please share, share it. Please share it. Please share it with yeah. the listeners. Okay, here we go. It's called The Loving Rose. Mm-hmm. Have you ever looked closely at a rose as you peer into its delicate petals? It gently kisses you with its fragrance, even offering itself unconditionally to be enjoyed in a vase. Every variety wearing a different colour to impress your eyes. Each petal perfectly arranged as it magically unfolds. The edge of each curling back in surrender to reveal a magical spiral of beauty and wonder for all to see and every single space between the petals is filled with love such is the love of a rose there we go wow how very beautiful Stephen thank you and when I write them it comes from a deep place Mm. because I was useless at school I can't spell now really Who can spell, really? That's why we've got spell check. Um, yeah. Very beautiful, very beautiful. Have you... Um, you know what? Why didn't you recite these? These are beautiful. Thank you. I've never done it before. That's the first time. So it's it, Yes, why don't you do it? That would be rather lovely. You know, because we do need more of that beauty in this life and in this mm. world. And, you know, maybe... I don't know. I, you know, you could get people um, to recite mm. your poetry, and you could mm. put it up because it's so beautiful. Really, I know you've written the book, and that is rather wonderful. But there are so many other places that you know we could share this beauty of yours. It's something to consider, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Thank you. And you're a very inspiring lady. And uh, oh, if it wasn't you. for you, the, the, the book wouldn't have come into uh, into manifestation, I don't believe. Well, you I know... I was in two minds, so... <laughs> you twisted so, twist my heart, and there it is. <laughs> well, you know, hearts are connected, and yes. um, there's a reason that we meet everybody in our life. For sure, for sure. Um, now, I know that you met the love of your life, um Maria, Maria Maria and she has been like a little angel for you hasn't she she has yes because you were diagnosed with prostate cancer yes I was two mm. two Januarys ago uh, we had to make the decision whether to have it cut out and um, the prostate that is mm. or to have radiotherapy and chemo and this that and the other so I decided to have it taken out um which we 
I went to the hospital. It was a major operation. They they say it's like a equivalent to a vasectomy for a lady. Mm-hmm. So it was quite a major operation. It leads with all sorts of problems immediately afterwards. And she's she's she was there like Florence Nightingale, nursing me, feeding me, supporting me. Yeah, she was wonderful. She got me through it and got me strong in no time at all. Um, and that's when I used the time when I couldn't work to recover to um, put the book together. You see, there was a reason even after such a, you know, difficult, (laughs) difficult time. But but you know what, Mimi, there wasn't any fear there. There was was just... That's what I wanted to ask you. Mm. There was an acceptance Mm. of what what, what is, what's Mm. happening right now, which can't be changed. There was no projection into the future of what's going to happen if I die, what's going to happen if I'm left, you know, severely handicapped or whatever. None of that. I just dealt with each day as it came along. And it got through it. I mean, there were some painful times and there were some, um, you know, rough times with it. But um, I got through it. You know, each day I got through it. Um, and it's in the past now, which I don't really bring up anymore. I think about it's gone now. So how uh, have like, you got through it? How have you got through so many um, episodes in your life? What has brought you through it, Stephen? Well, I got on, when, when I was um, reading those books, going through that, terrible time of marriage and and that's when I fell to my knees and I asked a greater power than myself to take charge. Mm-hmm. I, knew, I knew there was a power that makes everything happen, like the, the, the planet, the earth, you've only got to look at David Attenborough's programs to see how wonderful everything is. And there, there's something, not so much in charge, but a vibration of um, creation, and I prayed to that. that, that that's the best I can explain. It. I didn't want to put a name on it. I didn't want to call it God. I didn't want to limit it with my limited uh, perception of what names mean. I mm. just asked for the best and the highest to guide my life and take over. And now I feel I'm witnessing being lived in a life that whatever happens, I'm okay with. There's a peace, there's a deep peace. Whatever happens, I can just slot back into that peace. And where was, where did you find that sanctuary of peace within you? At what point in your life did you discover this place that actually now you can get back to at any point and for any situation? When I did the painting of Ramana Maharshi, when I painted that picture, Mm. I was one with him and I felt the peace and the stillness and the emptiness. It's like an emptiness full of stillness and peace. Because these, yeah, these deep spiritual beings that exist, such as spiritual teachers, the ones that are truly, you know, so many people, as I said to you, um, somebody else mentioned him last week. And to me, so, and there are many spiritual people and holy people out there. Mm. But, you know, sadly now, it seems they're all hidden. And I remember oh, quite a few years ago now, and I was talking to somebody, a very, very old mystic. And, you know, I said, where have all these mystics and sages... Where have all the mystics gone? Where have they gone? (laughs) And do you know what he said to me? And he was 90, and he said Mm. to me, do you know what? They're all hidden. And I Mm. said, what do you mean? He said, they exist, but they're hidden and they've shut the shop because Mm. people are not interested anymore. 
but well, there will come a time when people will start to awaken again. Yeah, and you know what? I think this um, this lockdown is mm. adding to all that happening because I don't feel we need teachers now. I feel that we can connect with it ourselves. I think it's been connected with so many times through the thousands of years with these mystics and these spiritual people. There's now an opening for each of us to connect to it. I don't think you need a spiritual teacher, even though I do, do I need a guru? And Ramana Maharshi came through. And I still feel, I mean, when I speak to people, if you haven't got Ramana Maharshi in your life or anybody else, you can still get in touch with that inner strength that you are, the love, the deep love that you are in yourself. You can, you can access that. Each of us can access that. We can indeed. And for some, it takes training and and for some people they do need somebody you know everybody is on a different level of development so some people need someone physically there to guide them some people can do it spiritually spiritually like yourself um, and connect to a mystic but I think really in reality Stephen I don't know what you think about this I'd like to know but there is this mysticism about life that, as you said, this whole pandemic has actually shut down the physical and has turned us inwards. And I think unless we start this journey towards ourselves, I don't think we will, as humanity, be able to pass through this very, very tight tunnel that Mm. has somehow come across the world now, has somehow uh, put the world in. What are your thoughts Mm. on that? Well, yeah, I think the materialistic world that we were used to has been taken away for a time, and it's enabling us to give us the time to look within and ask searching questions. Um, And I think unless this happened we were going to end up destroying ourselves. So I think it was a necessary thing to happen. Even though it's been very painful for a lot of people and we're losing lives. Um, in the long run, we would have lost a lot more had something like it not happened to change the course of our history. That's what I feel about it. I think it was meant to be this way for a good reason. And on a metaphysical level, now, what do you think um, has happened with humanity now? What is happening? I don't think I've got the uh, power to be able to... Bring what's your opinion? Through. I mean, what's your opinion in your heart? Because I ask you this mm. purely because you are connected to your heart so strongly. And if you want to know, you know the wisdom of the sages, you have to ask the people that are connected to their heart centre. So that's why I ask you. Well, what it's done is it's brought people together. Mm -hmm. It's it's connected people with other people that they wouldn't normally connect with. So it's made love more permanent. There's more love in the world now than there was before it happened, I believe. I really hope so. I really hope so. And I, I do believe that, actually. I, I, 
I believe that there is a chance now for love to grow and for love to be the most important thing because if we don't have love, we don't have anything. No, I found that out in my life. Yes. When I went through a stage where there wasn't any, because mm. I suppressed it. So yes, I did say earlier on, love is the most important thing in life. Thank you, Stephen. I could, as I said to you, talk to you for hours upon this, because I know that um, you are a very wise person, and I know you're very humble. So um, I'm looking forward to another book, I have to say. Yes, and some of your paintings would be lovely to combine your paintings and your yeah. poems together would yeah, be. There is some on there and like that, yeah. Rather lovely. Now, as I said, I always ask my guests what advice, what piece of wisdom, what jewels, precious jewels of knowledge would you like to share with the listeners to inspire them really for their life? Something that has helped you, something that you know works for you, that you can pass on the knowledge. Well, what comes to mind is gratitude and love. So um, we can speak of love, but the gratitude is something we can actually feel in ourselves for what's happening to us at any time. Um, when I wake in the mornings, I feel grateful. I've got a bed, I'm sleeping. I hear the birds singing outside. And you can go through your day like that, finding things to be grateful for. And the more things you find to be grateful for, the happier your life seems to become. Um, that's one of the most important things I learned. And it becomes natural in the end. You might start like looking things that are grateful, but then it becomes natural and flows. And the other thing is to be true to yourself. I remember when I wanted to go vegetarian, there was a lot of people, including my family, that weren't vegetarian. Mm. And they didn't understand it. And it was very hard to do when we went abroad on holidays. It was hard to find the food. Um, but the truth within me needed to be vegetarian. I felt that was the right thing to do. And I stuck to my truth. So to be true to yourself, to me, is a very powerful and very important thing to practice. They're the two main things, I would say. To be true to yourself. Yeah. That is one of the key things and um, one of the hardest things to do. Now, I know you do some form of, is it exercise or is it yoga? I yeah, wanted to morning, just mention yeah. that, yes. Every morning before I start my day, I'm going to, I've got a wooden cabin in the garden, mm -hmm. and that's where I do my art and my other bits and pieces. And I do my yoga for about 20 minutes to half an hour, which keeps the body all supple and moving, and then mm -hmm. I do a meditation for half an hour after that. Sometimes I do breathing exercises, sometimes I just sit in the quietness, and that is where any inspiration comes from. I quite often get a piece of paper and start writing poetry down from that, from that morning sit. And then after that, I'll have my breakfast, which is vegetarian, and I'll go off to work if I'm working. And everything I do, I do with love. I focus on doing it the best I possibly can with love from my heart. And... Everything flows beautifully. It's a sweetness of life. Mm. To yeah. do everything with love. How how very beautiful. How What a wonderful way to live your life. And mm. I speak for myself also. Uh, 
if I don't love to do something, I'm never going to be able to do it in mm. a good way or in the right mm. way. So I totally mm. resonate your words, what you're saying, because love is really the essence of everything. Mm. I read something once, it stayed in my mind. I think it was Carl Gibbon that, that wrote it. He said, to work with love is to charge all things you fashion with the breath of your own spirit. Oh, that's so beautiful my goodness and we have a huge opportunity now as humanity and all living beings to come together and we shouldn't miss it should we yeah no we shouldn't thank you so much Stephen it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show thank you Mimi for asking me you know you're very welcome and um I love your story and I love your poetry and, you know, I wish you all the very best in life and please keep writing, keep loving. Thank you. And um, the floodgates are open now, it just pours through. <laughs> how beautiful, how, I just, you know, Stephen's poetry, amazing, amazing. Thank you so much and hopefully we'll speak again soon. Yes, would you like me to mention my web page? Yes, of course, of course. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I have an email address, reliadec, it's R-E-L-I-A-D-E-C, at yahoo.co.uk. Mm-hmm. And for my book, it's reliadec.co.uk forward slash book. And my Facebook page is, Facebook, uh, is Stephen Paul Wilson. PH, Stephen with a PH. Now you can That's get what... your book on Amazon as well, can't you? Yes, you can. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yes. Yeah, and it's comes. Echoes of a Mystic. Yes, it is. Okay. Now, are you happy for people to contact you? Yes. That's well, my email address is there. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, if they want to friend me on Facebook. Okay. They can. They're free to do so if they like. Yes. Okay. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you, Mimi. Yeah, and take care. Bye. Okay, bye. Stephen Wilson. You know, to have this amount of love overflowing within oneself has absolutely has to touch every single person that we meet whether that be through art, through poetry, through our work, through even just our presence and our being, that is what's important in life. And it doesn't matter what you've been through. It, it doesn't matter where you've been. Nothing like that matters. Just keep loving and keep believing and keep hoping, really, truly. We have one life and we need to live it in all its magnificent glory. Thank you so much um, for joining me today. And I'm sending you lots of love and beautiful, beautiful thoughts and blessings to all of you. And I hope to see you again soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. 
please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website www.miminovic.co.uk Allow yourself the space and time to heal your hurting heart, to wipe the tears of lost memories, to understand all those unsolved thoughts. Sometimes all that is necessary and needed is to take a distance from everything so that we can find that place deep within us that we've never been to before.